and welcome to Miss Bossy Boots, keeping it real for women in business. My name is Stacey Morgan. I'm the principal of Port Macquarie Performing Arts, a dance school here on the mid-north coast of New South Wales in Australia. And joining me is my co-host, the fabulous published author and managing director of Dragonfly Marketing, Jane Hilsden. Hey, Jane. Hi, Stace. How are you? I'm really well today. The sun is shining. It's starting to heat up. Things are good. And I haven't forgotten that we're going to start the episode with our favourite things. Yay! Hooray! She finally remembered. (laughs) Normally this is something that Jane remembers and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. We were doing that. So, Jane, may I kick off and say what's, what's tickling your fancy this week? What have you been listening to, reading, watching, doing? Oh, look, really, really briefly, because I have literally just come back from a whistle-stop tour um, of the state of New South Wales, driving well over 3,000 kilometres, I have had the podcast on high repeat. So I just, I don't think I've actually mentioned this before, but one of my absolute favourites of my podcast list at the moment is the Shameless Podcast. Um, So for those of you that don't know, the Shameless Podcast tagline, and let me think if I can get this right, um, the Shameless Podcast is about about dumb things for smart women. And I think they say it actually a lot better than that. And there's something about that, that topic that I was like, wow, yes, you know, not necessarily the smart women thing, but the, but the, the, you know, I really do love sometimes my downtime is immersing myself in really dumb, mind numbingly, you know, silly TV. So I don't watch a lot of TV, but I reckon the one show that I do watch, I don't even watch Netflix. I really don't watch a lot of TV, TV, but the one show I do watch is The Bachelor. And so that is like a... Per- oh, wow. And so Just many people really go... choosing the... I know. The and so many... And dumbness there. Good I job. know. <laughs> and, and I get so many people going, oh, my gosh, Jane, you're a smart woman. How... What on earth are you doing watching such rubbish? I'm like, I... Love it. I is love it, it. Just The Bachelor or you're open to The Bachelorette? No, that's pretty know, much it. The, oh, no, okay. I really don't like much else. That, that's it. But I don't, there's just something about that. Anyway, so the, the Shameless Podcast Girls, two journalists from Melbourne, they are so smart and incredibly, incredibly well-researched in their presentation of dumb topics. So you actually get this super smart commentary around kind of frivolous topics which just for me is absolute gold too and they they tap they tackle all the really big issues but they tackle them by using kind of pop culture pop pop culture subjects so um shout out to the shameless girls and they actually i just listened to an episode which actually said that that they were just mentioned in the new york times as one of four Australian podcasts to listen to. So oh my goodness. It's clearly not just me that likes dumb things. That's right. If you do you think if the list was five top Australian podcasts that Miss Bossy Boots would have been the fifth one? I think we were. I think we were <laughs> in the top ten we, at least. You just missed out. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. What's your favorite thing, Stace? Uh, my favorite thing is I've begun swimming again. Inspired by you, of course, because you are, you know, no stranger to the the public pool. 
And <laughs> I, um, I thought, well, it's about time. I've been putting off just exercise in general. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you've noticed for the last seven and a half years because <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm pregnant with Lucinda, so I'm not going to exercise. Um, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And then I had <laughs> Lucinda and then I was like, oh, I'm breastfeeding, so I better not, you know, move at all. And so then, oh, I got pregnant again with Patrick. Oh, better not do anything uh, breastfeeding Patrick. Oh, pregnant with Henry. Anyway, you get the picture. Uh, and so I'm not pregnant. Um, I am still breastfeeding, but I'm kind of, we're getting to the end of that adventure. And I thought, oh God, I better do something. So I'm back in the pool two days a week. Nothing too well exciting. Done. But it's, well a bit done. Of, it's a bit of flamingo challenge time because it's yep. time for me. And it's a bit of um, just starting to think about taking care of myself a little bit better. Good so, on you. That thanks is for inspiring so me, Miss Jane. I'm not getting up at like stupid o'clock to do it though. Like Don't you have do. to. Gosh. Don't have to. You just need to get there whenever you can. And I don't know about you, Stace, but, but the way that swimming regulates your breathing, and I think it's just the repetitive movement of kind of, you know, going up and back in the same stroke for such a long time. For me, it's actually quite meditative. Like I actually find that really, really relaxing and that regulated breathing. So it kind of achieves two goals for me. And because you don't really have to think about it because you've just got the black line and you're just swimming. Yeah. And kind of actually think, like I can actually think through things as well. It gives me time to kind of think. It's a great I think it's a great thing to do. So good on you. Oh, thanks, Jane. I love it. <laughs> and it's not just us two talking to no. each other today. We have a special guest on the line. So, Jane, I'll let you take it away because I'm keen to hear our guest's special favourite thing as well. Yes, yes. So we are very excited. It's been a while since we've had um, a guest on our, on our podcast. So we were very excited to welcome Kat McLeod and Kat's actually all the way from Los Angeles. Um, we, we're all on a Zoom call at the moment and she's actually just said how warm it still is. It's now almost November and it's still very warm over there. Kat is an entrepreneur and has been for 20 years. We've just had a really, really quick catch up before the podcast and we can't wait to share some of Kat's stories with you. Um, so, Kat, without any further ado, can you kick off us by telling us what's your favourite thing all the way over there in Barmy, LA? My favourite thing for the past 40 years is ice cream. I love ice cream and I eat at least two scoops almost every single day without exaggeration. Wow. Outstanding. You're welcome on the podcast anytime, Kat. You fit right in. <laughs> but you know what I'm impressed with, Kat, is that you just have two teaspoons or two or was or was it two ice cream scoops? Oh, ice cream scoops, teaspoons. Oh, no right. way. I was going to say, that's very regulated and, and very <laughs> behaved of you. But yes, okay, right, well behaved, I should say. Wow, yes, okay, totally down with that. Um, okay, so we know you love ice cream, but Kat, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the journey that you've had for the last 20 years, particularly all these fabulous sounding businesses that, that you've, you've, you've been involved with? 
I started my first business 20 years ago. I'm going to give a tiny bit of background. Otherwise, it's going to be a little bit shocking for your listeners. Mm. I grew up in an extremely abusive household and wanted to escape my household home. I moved out to Los Angeles and I answered an ad to become a dominatrix. Wow. This was my first business. I learned from someone else. I actually did enjoy it for the first six months because it turned the tide on the abuse that I had had my entire childhood. I quickly burned out of it and decided to only do the parts of domination that I most enjoyed or slash tolerated. And I thought I would have to get my first quote unquote real job at the age of 22 because I niched down. And instead, I found out that the riches are truly in the niches because my business exploded. And I had my first multiple six-figure business at the age of 22, bought my first home in expensive Los Angeles at the age of 23. And I owned that business for five years. However, I hated it. Again, after the first six months of fun and excitement, I truly felt like I was not doing meaningful work. I disliked it. And I was so used to making so much money. I stayed in it for many, 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 many years. Okay. That's, yes. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, I, and I've got a few questions to unpack that. So you, you left home and you, got, you came to LA and you started the profession of, of becoming a, a dominatrix. So you're obviously working for someone else initially and then you went, actually, I think we can do this a better way and I'd prefer to do this on my terms. So I'm going to start my own business and, and it's going to be performing the dominatrix. Did you, did you employ other people? Was it just you? What did that business look like? I employed another person, but they were my full-time assistant. Right. Okay. Right. So it was almost like a kind of consulting model. So where you were the where you were the dominatrix, but you had a support team, I guess, in place to kind of get you booked out, to, to manage your bookings, to manage the admin of the business, etc. I actually did all of that on my own. Right. So what did the assistants do? Uh, keep everything clean and bodyguard me and keep my mental state going up because during this time period I suffered from eating disorders and depression I was a mess in my late teens and early 20s growing up in an abusive house I had a lot of screwed upness that I was working through at the time and and these businesses either I don't know if they helped or hurt but they felt like they hurt looking backwards yes yes but at the, at the time, it was a gateway into the escape of the abusive household. Yes. Um, and to be honest, a really admirable way of, of kind of dealing with that and creating your own independence around that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people that have escaped, you know, abusive households or, or lives that they don't want to live anymore. And, and, you know, starting a business, regardless of what it's doing, starting a business has not been a path that they've taken. So you know, I commend you for your absolute bravery there. That, that sounds amazing, In, except that it obviously wasn't amazing. It wasn't feeding your soul and you didn't feel like this was, you know, a path that you wanted. It probably, you know, ticked, ticked a box for a time, but you didn't feel like this was something that, was, that you were going to do forever. I feel like I've always been meant to be an entrepreneur. I know that there's a lot of people that turn into entrepreneurs. But even as a small child, I was the one selling lollipops for a quarter that I bought for 10 cents and selling lemonade and chocolate. And I just bring that up because 
at the time period of escaping my abusive household, moving to LA, I really thought nothing of starting my own business. I don't know if this is just the beautiful naivete of a 22 year old (laughs) moving to a big city and just knowing she could conquer it all. And I did. Fantastic. Awesome. So then you got to 22, 23 and you went, okay, this is not rewarding. This is not nourishing my soul. I love being entrepreneur, but I really don't like being in the dominatrix industry. What did you think at that point? What, what were your options at that point? I was doing a lot of therapy at that point and obsessed with living a life of purpose. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? I was reading so many self-help books, doing yoga, seeking spiritual counseling, like so many things. So I just started adding in yoga and practicing yoga to quiet my brain. And then I started teaching it. So I would sacrifice my very high income to teach a $25 yoga class or even take a yoga class that I was paying for because I knew to add into my life. I had tried to close down my business repeatedly by this point, And I repeatedly failed because the lure of that much income, it was just so hard to leave. I didn't know what to do. So I just started adding in, teaching yoga, getting paid more money to teach yoga. And that's not what I transitioned into. About five years from the start of my business, I just hit the, I can't do this anymore. I will not do this anymore. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I could no longer run my fetish business. I just hit that wall. And I was open to it about it with one of my regular clients that I had had for five years. And he actually offered me a position at his corporate company. And I had my quote unquote, like only normal job of my entire adult life in corporate. And I did stellar at it, honestly, because I was an entrepreneur, ran my own business. I was able to independently make a division of his company flourish, yet I hated it. I did not like being in an office all day. I did not like having set hours. My Even though this person and I knew each other for five years, then all of a sudden he became my boss. I did not like it. So I chose to quit and go back to graduate school for my master's in psychology. It, uh-huh. While I was, yeah, because I had done so much therapy during yeah. this time to get my brain like halfway straight, yeah. like generously halfway. As my second year graduate school project, I chose to help women transition out of the sex industry. For obvious reasons, I knew what it was like to be making multiple hundreds, if not thousands of dollars an hour, wanting something more for yourself and just not being able to leave that quote unquote easy money. So that's what I chose to do. And that's what I did for a year unpaid. And that's how I became a business coach 13 years ago. Wow. Wow. What a fascinating story. I love that. Can I ask, what was the job that you were employed to do by, by your client? Like what, what job was it that you were doing that you didn't like? I, it was, I don't want to go into too much detail, but it was under the marketing title. And I basically put together a conference for people higher up in corporate and brought them together and ran a conference for them. And it's still, it's still a viable business and successful to this day in my absence. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. So you went from, from your own business as, as, as a dominatrix, you moved into kind of yoga teaching, 
um, as a as a bit of a side hustle, if you like, um, and, and as a transition out, outside of that, as, as you were finding a new path um, into a kind of marketing esque role, um, you studied psychology and have now become a, a a life coach. Did you say or a business coach? I was a business coach. This is how I honed my expertise at pinpointing highly profitable business ideas with the skills that you currently have. So I use this 13 years later in my current business, but that's how that niching, like further just going deeper into that niching that I had discovered at age 22. Yeah, fantastic. And for those listeners who might not be completely, you know, um, uh, around the idea of niching, explain niching. What's your definition of, of niching in business? Well, I consider niching, I like to call it pinpointing my people's right business idea. When people generally go into business, they want to serve everyone and they find when they're trying to serve everyone, they serve no one because no one's listening. No one wants to be with the person trying to service everyone because they don't believe that you can actually solve their problems. So I think this is a very common mistake with new business owners, not going deep enough into your business idea, not focusing in on your target audience and really truly knowing this target audience, hearing their most prominent pain points and seeing what pain points of these that you can best solve. And that's what, that is like the general overview of niching. Most people think something like, oh, I'm a mom guilt coach. And they think that's niching when it's super general versus my child's about to become a teenager and things are already H-E-L-L at home. And I am scared to death what's going to happen there. And my family's on on the brink and I think we're going to get a divorce from all this stress and you solving that problem versus the first one. There is a huge difference in your ability to attract clients that way. And some people are really scared, Kat, aren't they, when it comes to niching because they don't want to exclude other people that could potentially give them money because in those early days, of course, you just, you want income. But it can be so valuable if you can find out exactly what your ideal customer wants, who they are, and then speak directly to them. Stacey, I would say that almost every single new entrepreneur and client that comes to me in frustration because they've been trying to have a business for months, if not years, and they have not been able to attract clients is afraid to niche because of exactly what you said. They are afraid that if they pare down and go in deep to a certain clientele, that they're going to leave all this money on the table for all these other people that they could help solve their problems too. And the truth is they will find that they will wind up attracting no one trying to cater to everyone. Absolutely. And as a marketer, this is absolutely music to my ears. This is something that I espouse very, very heavily, but it does, as, as you've both pointed out, it takes bravery um, and a trust in the, in the process that by niching down, you're not actually cutting out potential revenue and potential profit. In fact, you're actually um, increasing your chances of actually getting that. Now, along the way, and this might have been earlier in your career, you you built a business that allowed you to pay four hundred fifty thousand down pay payment on, um, and I think it's the house that you're currently in. Is it in in LA? Tell us about that. 
Well, that was my first business, my multiple six-figure fetish business. It generated over the course of the business well into the seven figures, and I used that money to purchase real estate. And why was real estate important to you at that at that stage? What made you? What made that? What I guess led you to that decision to kind of to to I guess to to purchase your own house. I wanted a home base. I wanted somewhere where I could see my clients at that time because I was 23 at that time for that that certain house. So I'm in a current different house. It, it's a little complicated, but we'll just talk about that house then. I actually, it, I would call this again, youthful naivete that I was very fortunate because I didn't realize what a great investment real estate was. I just knew that I wanted to buy a, a home and have one that was me. And I, the main reason was I was tired of moving every year and I kept yeah. moving every year, renting apartments. So I just wanted to have a home base and that's why I purchased my first home. And like going backwards a little bit about what you were talking about as a marketer and how people are scared. It's, it's very, very true. And again, with that naivete at age 22, when I niched down and thought, oh, I'm going to have to get another job and my business exploded. That's why I have no fear of it. And I go really deep with clients. Now, like one of the examples is one of my clients, she was doing so many things because she's really multiple talented as many of us women are. And she had so many offerings. It was so confusing. I actually niched her down to one software program and she is fully booked has a waiting list and she replaced her corporate income working only four days a month that replaces her full old corporate income and she trusted me enough to let go of the other nine things she was offering and just niche down into doing dubsado so that's just an example of how you can niche down to one software program and make a killer living from it. When you say niche down to one software program, what do you mean? Reselling that software program or, or using that software program? Okay, Dubsado is a software program and she helps service-based businesses use it for their client onboarding, their whole back end to oh. save them time and things like that. So that's what I'm talking about. But this is just a single example of how you can pare down to something that specific and still make a great living. On the mm. very flip side, one of my first clients, she does a gluten-free baking company here in Los Angeles. Her mom and sister both have celiac disease. And so this means something to her. And she does that only for children's birthday parties and baby showers because you really want to keep your kids safe. And she's able to charge a premium for that working in her spare time. Wow. I love that. It's really about, um, I guess, from, from the stories that you've told, Kat, it's about finding a business that lights you up, finding something that you're passionate about, and then finding a way to really bring that down to a certain target market so that you can actually like, maximize that as much as possible. What That's you, exactly what we do. <laughs> what have you done now that you, um, so what does your life look like now? In, in, I'm assuming that you've been able to pair those two things together. You're doing stuff that you mm. love and you're also doing stuff that's profitable as well whilst finding your, your own niche. Mm. 
I am really niche down and I just want to say that I came from that super abusive household and I have been living a dream life for the last decade. I love my life. I get to work with amazing women and I mainly specialize in pinpointing that pleasurable and highly profitable business idea that's going to make my clients the most money for the time spent and allow them to be mom first. That's my business is focused on that. I completely care about purposeful and meaningful, fulfilling work first and marry that with high profit. And can you give us a, a kind of high level description about how you manage to do that with your clients? How do you, how do you take your clients on that journey? I take them on the journey just from 13 years of business experience, but interestingly enough, I have been breaking it down for my first self-study course because I want to help women maybe who cannot afford my services, women who were where I was at 20 years ago and need help creating the better life for them. So I basically just really hone in on all their skills, the people that they have access to, and we marry them by seeing who is in the most pain that they could service, that they can truly stand in their expertise at, and that's how we break it down. And of course, if you're going to build a business, then make it enjoyable and pleasurable. So that's how we pair it that way. And so how do you, how do you kind of help them get there? Is it like, does it look like um, literally you kind of having a, a consultation with them and just asking them, you know, repeated, um, repeated questions around, you know, well, who is it that you're trying to target? Okay, so it's that group of people. Who is it within that, you know, what does that group of people, or what does a, a persona um, of, of that group of people look like? You know, how old, how old are they? What are their needs? What are their problems? What are their, you know, and just go through a very, a, a series of questions to actually establish that. Is, is that what you kind of do to do that? Um, I, with my one-on-one -on -one clients, it's something similar. I have a framework that I take them through and it, that is all about pleasure and profit. And we pair that together to find the most profitable skill that they will enjoy that will service their people and be the easiest way to start their business and get paying clients. In my group programs, I use a series of prompts, like which I said I'm currently breaking down because I still offer support in my group programs. So I'm breaking it down even further so that I can offer a very good self-study program that can allow you to find those answers within because all the answers are within. It's not Kat's business. It's my client's business. Yeah. So I really help them go in deep. Most people stay really shallow. And my biggest, <laughs> my biggest driver of helping them go in deep is to just keep saying, well, what does that mean to them? Like, why would they want that? What is it? Just keep going deeper into what your client actually wants. Don't stay at the surface of that. Go under why they want what they say they want. So they'll often think they want one thing, but there's reasons why, and you keep dropping deeper. And then when you can pinpoint that, that's when it's easier to find success and get customers and clients. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. So what does the, what does the future look like for you? What are you planning? What is your business called by the way? I own the stay at home mom entrepreneur. It's a framework that allows moms to stay mom first and 
own profitable and enjoyable businesses while working two hours or day or less. And yes, all of my clients work these kind of hours or roughly that inside the week. I don't even work with clients for more than 20 hours a week. That's full time. Yeah. Right. Business in my eyes. So you, you personally do 20 hours per week in, in your week, do you mean? I do not. That would be the maximum that I would build with a client. I work 15 hours a week. Wow. Maximum. Wow. That's nice. fantastic. Kat's got plenty of time for flamingo challenges. Yeah, yeah. Kat, we've got this challenge that's going on at the moment where we have to um, not force ourselves. That sounds wrong, but we, we do right? have to force ourselves. Okay, we eh? do have to force ourselves, fine, um, to take time out where we plan time for ourselves where we don't actually plan anything and we just have time. Just have time. You would have plenty of just cat time. I love that. I have plenty of cat time. I work out every single day. This week alone, I went rollerblading with a girlfriend. I went swimming in the ocean by myself. I went bike riding. And in my spare time, I'm, I consider myself with my full-time mom job that I don't get paid for, but that's my main priority first. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's so admirable. Um, one of the things that you spoke about in your initial um, uh, letter to, to us or your initial message to us is the hyper-focus model. And we, just, we asked you a question about that briefly in, in our intro um, conversations. Can you tell us a little bit about the hyper-focus model that, that you've, you've spoken briefly about? The hyper-focus model is how you can build your business in 30 minutes a day. Yes, you heard me, 30 minutes. My clients all use this and I use this too and I'm going to break it down. So for 30 minutes a day, usually before the kids get up or after they go to bed, this is a non-negotiable in your calendar, you sit down and you do a sprint, a 30-minute sprint on the roadmap of A to Z for a successful business, you do whatever your part is that day. So if you're going from D to E, when you sit down, you do from D to E. You do not get distracted. You do not waste your time fiddling with social media, checking your email. You sit down and do what's going to move your business forward. If you're at the point where you're getting clients already, then you sit down and do your client acquisition work whatever is bringing in clients, your outreach, your connecting with people every time you sit down for this 30 minutes. And what I like even more, and I personally use, and it's customized for all my clients, but I like the 15, 15, 15 hyper-focus model. This is 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at quiet or lunchtime, and 15 minutes after the kid's bedtime, nighttime. And it's the same thing. You sprint for that 15 minutes because that's where you can really concentrate and get so much stuff done. And you just will move your business forward so easily doing this. I have a mom who truly only works on her business for this 30-minute hyper-focus model a day, and she is fully booked out. Now, this does not include her actual client time. Yeah, this is right working on her business to acquire the clients and she has a full wait list and she does she did a customized 15 15 hyper focus model so she couldn't even add in the third 15 and 15 minutes I have her doing a customized activity that's drawn in all her clients and 15 minutes of working on her business on a different way and that's been enough to 
just fill up her practice. And the reason I love this model is because it eliminates that BS excuse that yeah. you don't have time. If you're looking at Netflix, scrolling through social media, then you do have the 30 minutes to move your business forward if that's what you truly want to do. But you need to decide on that success and take that consistent action every day. Yes, yes. That sounds like such a worthwhile habit to build. And I challenge anyone who thinks that they don't have 15 and 15 or 30 minutes in their day just to go on their phone to the screen time option and have a look <laughs> at how much screen time you are wasting Yeah, because that was a real wake-up call for me. I listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago and they said, go and check your screen time now. And it was like three hours and 25 minutes that day of just like wow. nonsense. I was like, mm. what is this? <laughs> so 30 minutes... I could easily find 30 minutes, I reckon, after, after thinking about that. And if it's going to move my business forward because I am going to be really focused and productive during that time, I'm all about it. Sounds great. Kat. It happens to all of us, Stacey. I mean, we all get lost in the scroll once in a while or we sit down and we mean to do something and then an hour goes by and we're like, we didn't even start it because, you know, we're just lazy sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah chill yeah. out or relax. And if, he, if you really decide in success and you are going to move your business forward, then it is just the best thing to do is just to hyper-focus and sit down, do that 30 minutes. And when that 30-minute timer goes off, if you then want to go scrolling or doing whatever it is, then allow yourself the pleasure of doing that with zero guilt. Celebrate your success that you did your model and then that time is yours. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so we've, we've spoken about the hyper-focus model, which just makes so much sense. And when you say 15 minutes at a time, 15 minutes times two or 15 minutes times three, or even if it's half an hour, that just seems achievable. And as you, there's excuses for not being able to incorporate that into your day. So we've spoken about the hyper-focus uh, model. We've spoken about niching and really making sure that, that you speak to the right customer. Um, and we've spoken about what was the other third thing? I've about completely... finding purpose and finding, finding a, purpose. Yeah, yes. finding a business that incorporates both profitability and something that's really pleasurable. So purpose, um, hyper-focus, and the other one, <laughs> I can't retain anything. What is going on with I you today, Jane? Today. I'm just, I'm at the end of two months of just, too hard work, so my memory is not working. Anyway, we've spoken about those three. Niching, that was it. <laughs> you got there. What? I wasn't helping you out. <laughs> is these the three? Is these the three ingredients to a profitable business? You know, you you've obviously done so well over the last twenty years in the pursuits that you have followed. Are these the three secrets, or or is there anything else that needs to be within that that mix of ingredients? There's really only one secret and that secret is to decide on success and then move forward every day to make that happen. That sounds so simple and that's the truth. You decide on success, you decide that you're going to have that life, that success, and that's what's going to bring forward your consistent actions every day and then the niching and all of the other three are parts of that success, yet the decision of success comes first. A hundred percent. When do you think it was in your journey that you really nailed that decision to decide on success? 
I knew I wanted a much better life for me. I graduated college and two weeks later packed up all my stuff and moved to Los Angeles, not knowing a single person out here because I wanted to create that dream life for myself. So I am just driven that way. And I just want to point out if you're not driven this way or you're not as intense as I tend to be, it's okay. Because along this way, I've had a lot of failures. So we're, I mean, I've openly talked about hating my businesses and quitting numerous times. And you just start where you're at and you make that decision and you find success in your way. The most important thing is that consistent action. And yes, that hyper-focus model can get you there with that consistent action, even if it's 15 minutes a day, adding that yes. in, moving towards where you want to go will get your brain moving from where you are stuck now. Yes, yes, Stace. I think we have to um, we have to make our listeners accountable for for this hyper focus in in particular. I think that's something that that if we speak about that each you know each fortnight, it yep. might actually remind people that that's a, such an important habit to to get in. So thank you for bringing to that to that to our attention. Now, Kat, tell us where our listeners can find out more about you, more about your framework, more about your current business. Where where can they find you? I'm my website is sahmentrepreneur.com that stands for stay-at-home mom entrepreneur sahmentrepreneur.com there I have a training and I go into nailing your right business idea more and there's a link to my community where I'm in every single day on Facebook fantastic We'll be jumping straight in there, Kat. Thank you so much for joining us. Kat McLeod, everybody joining us live from California. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks, Kat. Thank you, Jane. Thank you you to everybody for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, we are on Miss, uh, we are Miss Bossy Boots on Facebook, Miss Bossy Boots podcast, I should say. And you can also find us on Instagram. Make sure you're using the uh, hashtag Flamingo Challenge when you are spending some time. Yes, yes, use the, use the Flamingo Challenge and also tell us about how you're going with your, your hyper-focus model after listening to this, uh, this episode. But also on Facebook, don't forget to come and join our Miss Bossy Boots podcast group. We're getting some great conversations started in there and this is a, good, this is a really good environment for us to kind of c- continue the conversations uh, about what we hear in the Miss Bossy Boots episode um, online. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Kat. Thank you, Jane, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 